Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope you all have had your caffeine this morning because I have. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Anybody excited to be at church today? Anybody uh, really sad to have lost an hour of sleep? Was anybody wise enough to go to bed early enough? No, not a chance, huh? All right, well. That's good. Welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. want to greet you all and tell you thank you so much for being here with us today, especially if it's your first time here. I also want to look into the camera and tell those of you that are joining us online, thanks for being with us, or maybe you're listening by the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in today. In fact, uh, this round of applause is for you. Come on, guys. Let's greet our guests. Let them know that we're glad that they're here with us today and our online family. Yeah. Uh, now, if it is your first time here, or maybe you've been hanging out with us for a while and you've not taken an opportunity to do it, would you reach into the seat back in front of you and find what's called our Connect Card? And if you'll take a moment to fill that out, a completed Connect Card turned in at the Connect Center after service. We've got a gift we would love to give you, just our way of saying thank you for being here. We promise we won't sell your information for very much money, uh, just a little bit uh, of a fee. No, we won't do that. I'm kidding. We, we promise we have a no, uh, no harassment policy as well. We're not going to harass you. We're not going to show up at your house uh, unless it's the snack attack group, and they're going to show up and give you a bunch of gifts and, and, and uh, some yummy stuff. So if you've been snack attacked in here, just kind of wave your hand a little bit. Let's see. Okay, so there's, oh, there's been a couple of people who have been snack attacked. All right. What that is is one of our small groups uh, that just love to surprise people and be a blessing to people, and they pick random people in our church. I don't even know how they choose them, and they show up at their door with a bunch of goodies. Sounds like fun, right? That's why you need to be in a group. Amen, everybody? Get in a group. But uh, anyway, so, uh, well, this morning, uh, it's exciting, uh, very exciting day for me. Before I get to that, I want to share with you a few things. First, Breakfast with the Bunny is coming up. Uh, we have a team that is going to be serving our community. Uh, we've, this is something we've done in the past, but COVID, right? So uh, it's back, and we're very excited. You can sign up if you'd like to take your family to participate but we're looking for people to serve alongside of us because we are a serving church. We believe that we are part of this community, and we want to go and do that. So there'll be people that'll make uh, the pancakes and the sausage, and there'll be people who, that will serve them, and other people that will do the activities with the families. So uh, you can do that on our app. If you don't have our app yet, stop by the church center, uh, the, excuse me, the Connect Center, and they will help you get our app and get you signed up uh, to serve at that event. Eight, eight years and up, so if anybody that wants to bring their kids to serve uh, are welcome as well. Also, tonight is our Ignite Student Ministries. If you didn't know, we've got a student ministry. It's every Sunday night at 7 p.m., and uh, they would love to have your, your students in that group. So that runs from, somebody help me here, six, so, well, you're seven to eight, but sixth grade on up, is that right? Yep, okay, great. So sixth, to, sixth uh, through 12th grade uh, Sunday nights, make sure your kid or your student, or if you know a student, that they get here for uh, Ignite Student Ministries, amen? All right, well, I'm excited today uh, because my pastor is in the house. Uh, I don't know if you have ever had somebody uh, that, that made such a difference in your life that they, they looked at you and said, I see something in you. Anybody ever had that happen before? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. 
Well, I'm standing up front because this guy uh, had the audacity to say, I see something in you. And, you know, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Somebody that, that sees something in you that you don't even see yourself or don't know how to accomplish, to have somebody walk with you on an incredible faith journey, to have somebody text you out of the blue, I believe in you, I love you, I believe in simple church, I believe in what God's called you to do, just completely unsolicited. I, I don't even have to tell him, like, dude, I, I need some encouragement today. It just shows up. Anybody ever have somebody like that in their corner? Like, it's just such a gift, and I'm going to tell you that everything that, that I am as a pastor and all that we've been able to accomplish, it starts with that one conversation of I see in you. And so today, would you please join me in welcoming my pastor, Conan Stevens, as he comes and gives the word. Oh, well, incredibly honored, man. Thanks for that. Jeez, wow. i tell you what. Love this guy. I'm a huge fan of your pastor and Shanda. Just, you got, and I know you know how blessed you are to have them. And so, man, honored, man. Thanks, Aaron. I apologize if I'm walking a little slower today. Uh, yesterday, I ran a 60-kilometer race, 37 miles. It got back like midnight. So if I'm like, hey, yeah, walking to the car, walking from the car, I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, the old gray mare ain't what she used to be. Uh, but I do want to say, again, truly honored to be here. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'll say this. I remember when Aldi's went out of business here. I'm a huge Aldi's fan. And I thought, I don't know if anything better than all these could ever be in that building. Listen, I stand corrected, okay? In fact, I'm like, oh, and I found out Aaron's like, hey, bro, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? Dude, this could work out. I'm like, what? All these? I'm like, oh, bro, that is amazing. That is amazing. So to see what God is doing here is, is truly incredible. And uh, man, just exciting. I mean, really, you guys are in a place you're like relaunching uh, the church a second time. And uh, so just honored that you guys are partnering, uh, man, with Pastor Aaron and, and this amazing team that they have uh, really is, really is exciting. Um, I know I, I look back to the days of, I, I say humble beginnings, right? I remember we planted C3 Church and uh, you just begin to watch it grow and you watch the amazing people that God brings and it, it really is, it's this, it's this family. And so today I, I want to kind of talk about the power of like the local church. There's something incredible when you think of the local church. Uh, you know, Simple Church is your, this is, this is your local body. This is where you worship. This is where you're doing life together. Um, but I want to talk about not just the local church, but the church in the United States with the capital C, okay? The, and, and here's what I appreciate. Pastor Aaron just mentioned it. It's not about just building our little empire, one little church. It's about the kingdom of God. And I'm so grateful that you have a pastor that has a kingdom mentality. He's got a kingdom heart. Uh, and so, you know, the church I pastor, C3 Church, is one piece of that. Simple Church is one piece of that, of the church with a capital C across our nation. And uh, we're going to take a look at this in a, in, a, in a few moments. But, man, the church with a capital C in the United States is not doing the best right now. Um, and really, the church needs rescued. And we're going to talk about that because I think it is, it is, it is dire, of a dire importance. And so I want to jump into the message today. I'll, I'll, uh, I remember I was probably... Seventh or eighth grade, and I got two brothers. My parents were, were driving home after something, and we're pulling into the neighborhood, and it was kind of dusk, but we could look at the street over, and we saw some smoke pouring up. We're like, my dad's like, what is that? So there was kind of like Florida, so it's not really woods. It's more like jungle, and they would cut a piece. They were building these homes, and so we go around the block, and sure enough, there's, there's these woods, and then next to the woods, in between these 
wooded lots is a house, and one of those wooded lots is on fire. And it was raging pretty good to the point of it caught some of the bushes next to the house, this person's house, on fire. And I can remember like, what are we going to do? So my dad slams on the brakes, and we run out, and we're looking around, and they had their garden hose out. And so my dad runs over there, and he turns it on, he puts out the fire on the bushes next to the house, and we're trying to fight the fire to keep it back. My mom runs down the street and calls because there was no such thing as a cell phone. Come on, some of you that are old enough to remember this. There was a day where there was no cell phones, okay? So my mom runs to the neighbors, calls the fire department, and fire department ends up rolling in, and, you know, they come up with a hose and put out the fire uh, in, this, in this wooded lot next to the door, and... Uh, sure enough, as we're doing all this, the owners of the house pull in. They're like, what is going on, right? Then they're like, you guys rescued our house. I remember thinking like, we did, didn't we, right? It was, that, it was that feeling good of like, we did something pretty cool to be a part of, of something like this. We rescued, we rescued this home. And so a couple things that really I just want to, I'm going to hit three major points today that, um, that we did in that moment with that house on fire but also that I believe God is asking us to do for the church, capital C. And it's this, right? The first is we saw a problem. We were close enough to do something about it. And then the third was we came to the rescue. That's what we did for those people in that house, and they were incredibly grateful, which I would have been too if somebody would have put the fire out next to my house. But I believe the local church, capital C, I want to talk about, I believe God has called us to rescue the church in America. Let me give you some stats. So in the year... Uh, 2000, there was 70% of Americans that claimed faith in the year 2000. You fast forward that to 2020, 47% of Americans claim faith today, right? You're like, wow. So we see this huge decline that is happening in 2019. And this is a staggering, sobering statistic. In 2019, 200 churches every Sunday, shut their doors forever. 200 local churches every Sunday in the United States shut their door forever. And so we think like, man, what is, what is going on? I, I truly believe that, man, the local church is, is part of the, it's what God uses as the hope for, for these communities. And we're seeing people come to Jesus. And this is a huge thing. In fact, Christian churches are, are being closed and it, the majority of them are being purchased um, by mosques. And so uh, this was another staggering statistic. We are 16 years. The United States is 16 years away from Christianity being the number one religion in the United States. Isn't that crazy? It'll be, it'll be Islam. And so you're like, wow, what is, what, what is happening? The very nature of our church, uh, a church in America is, is taken over. And so I believe the, America, the church in America is in trouble and it needs rescued. And we're going to kind of land that plane and talk about that near the end. But I want to I take you to the scriptures. We're going to look at a man by the name of Gideon. I'll never forget, Gideon's one of my favorite Bible stories. In fact, my first message I ever preached, Pastor Aaron, I was 18 years old. And I, I talked on Gideon, right? I'm like, okay, I love this guy. But we see this, we see this in scriptures. I'm going to take you to the Old Testament uh, in the book of Judges chapter 6. And we see where the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years... Right? God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. 
because the power of, the Mid, of, of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, in caves, and in strongholds. So basically, they were, I mean, they were God's people. They were following him, but they turned to begin to worship other gods. And so God had warned them, hey, if you do this, I'm going to take my hand off you. And so sure enough, hand of protection and blessing comes off. The Midianites moved in, and they were oppressing um, the people. And so, so much so, the Israelites, they're hiding in caves, they're hiding in clefts uh, of the rock, is what the scripture says. The, Medians, uh, the Midianites overtook them. And how this work is, uh, the Israelites would pull up their crops, they would plant them, they would go to harvest them, and the Midianites would come in and just steal everything. Can you imagine what that's like? You work so hard, everything is just stolen from you whenever they wanted, because there were so many of them, and they were oppressive. And so they would come in and just steal. And so this is where they were. They were in bad shape in bad shape. We see this in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It goes on. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, belonged to Joash the Beazrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now picture this. Here is Gideon, and he's in this wine press, which means if you look at the landscape of the land, you can't see him because he's kind of below ground, and he's threshing this wheat so that he can't be seen so that the Midianites won't come and steal it. And so here he is in hiding, and he's doing all this, and an angel shows up and says, you mighty warrior. Can you imagine? It's like, who are you talking to? Like, what? Like, can't you see what's going on here? I'm I'm hiding in fear, and you're calling me a mighty warrior. I love the fact that when God sees us, he sees us for who we, can, who, who we really are and who we can become. He sees the potential inside of us. He doesn't see us. Sometimes we think, oh, man, here's what I'm into right now, but God sees more in us. And this is, this is where Gideon is. He's in hiding, and, you know, he don't want to get his wheat stolen. So the Lord says, you know, mighty warrior. Now, here's what I know. There are moments in my life moments in all of our lives, I think, we don't feel like a mighty warrior, but God sees us. He sees something greater in us. Here's Gideon. He's in that moment. He says, mighty warrior. God sees the potential on the inside of him. God is calling something out of him. And then we see where this, I, th- I think Gideon's in that moment. He, he saw a problem. We see this in Judges 13. Let's keep going on the story. <laughs> so here he is. He's threshing the wheat. Angel shows up. You mighty warrior. He's like, uh, he's very polite. He says, pardon me, uh, my Lord. Yeah, pardon me. So he wasn't like, yo, who are you talking to, fool? Right? He's like, uh, pardon me, my Lord Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You ever felt like that before? Like if God is with us, why is all this stuff happening to us? And this is what he, he says. He says, where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us uh, when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, uh, but now the Lord has abandoned us? into the hand of Midian? So Gideon, so here is Gideon in this moment. All I can see is the problem. Have you ever been there before where all you can see is the problem? You don't feel like you can see a solution. You feel like I'm so swamped. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know how in the world we're going to get out of here. I don't know what's going to go on. I don't know how. This is where Gideon is. He saw the problem. In fact, he didn't even see the, not only saw the problem, Gideon is living in the midst of the problem. I mean, he can feel it. His family along with others are feeling this. And so, uh, he realizes this too. He's out of his league to fix it. And let me just ask, let me just ask you, uh, I think God desires us to be part of the solution. How many know we live in a very broken world today? And there's a lot of pain. Uh, there's a lot of evil. And God desires us to be part of the solution. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself as part of the solution. 
God wants you to be part of the solution. You know, it could be uh, in so many ways. It could be, man, uh, you're in this church for a reason. You're here. Uh, why? Why, man? You're here to be a part. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe it's, uh, you know, school, whatever it may be. God desires to utilize you to be part of the solution. Uh, maybe it's your circle of influence. Here's I know God put you in those positions to be able to do something. So here is Gideon, right? He sees this problem. I remember, I remember I was, I was uh, 16 years old and, you know, I, I prayed a, a dangerous prayer. I felt like at the time, like, I think I'm supposed to be in ministry. I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. And so I told my dad, who's been a mentor of mine, he's, a, he's actually a pastor. He's like, don't do it because I'm in it. I'll tell you what. He said, don't do that. It's got to be God calling you. But he, he said, Conan, I dare you to pray a dangerous prayer. I go, okay, hit me. He said, I, I dare you to say, Lord, Whatever you ask me to do, I'm 16 years old, and he said, ask God, whatever you ask me to do, if you'll get the glory, I'll do it. Now, I'll just say, if you ever pray that prayer, be careful, because something's going to happen. And so here I am, 16 years old, and I pray that prayer, Lord, if, I, if you ask me to do anything, right, I'm like, let's go. I'll give you, if you're going to give you glory, I'm all in. I'm in. Well, you ever, you ever pray so confidently until the moment shows up, and you're like, well, you know. So I prayed this prayer, man of faith and power, 16 years old, Lord. And I'll never forget, I'm walking down the hallway. We had a, we had a I don't know, a little church my dad was a pastor of. And I'm walking down the hallway, and the Sunday school superintendent, that's what they had back then, right, which was like, you know, they all had Sunday school classes and, and uh, different age groups. And he's sitting there talking to one of the teachers. He's like, ah, we have no one to teach the nine-year-olds. There's no one to teach the... And then he sees me, and I'm like, What? Like, Conan, would you, would you consider teaching the nine-year-olds? And I was like, I'm about to say, heck no, right? I'm about to go, nah. and then I realized, oh, you prayed that prayer. I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, okay. I'll never forget, they opened that door, and if you, listen, if you don't have your stuff together with nine-year-olds... They will eat you alive. There's like, like a hungry piranha as they open the door. They kicked me in. They shut the door. Ah, right? I look back on that moment, right? That, that moment, uh, there, was, there was a huge problem. Here was the problem. No one was there to teach the nine-year-olds, okay? But I look back on that moment. I realized like, wow, God was, God was using that. I saw, I saw a problem, and I was able to step in and do something about it. Even at 16 years old, I thought, man, well, God, what can you do? What can you do with me as a teenager? And God's like, no, I want, to, I want to utilize you. I look back at that too, and I see how God used that really in the direction of my life. Uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty powerful. And so I'm sure many of you have stories as well. But here is Gideon. What's he doing? He sees the problem. He sees the problem. And he says, man, I, 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 can, I can do something about it. So today I think we are, we're, we're seeing a problem across our country with churches, again, that are closing, with pastors that are discouraged. Uh, and I'm going to talk about a solution here in just a moment. But let me ask you this. What problems do you see? What problems do, are around you that maybe you see that God would have you to fix? And so Gideon saw the problem. And look what he does next. He says that he, he, he was close enough to do something. He was close enough to do something. He goes on and says this, the Lord turned to him and says, I, I still, I, I love this line in scripture. He says, go in the strength you have. You know, I think sometimes we're like, we're, I think sometimes we wait. We wait for like this lightning bolt from heaven. 
You know, we wait for the perfect scenario. We wait till, well, I don't really feel like I'm empowered to do this. I don't feel like I have it all together. Can I just say this? If you ever feel like you have it all together, well, first of all, you probably don't. That's probably the first thing, like, you probably don't. My pride's probably got, you're probably in trouble. Uh, but we, I, I love the fact that God uses people that may not feel like they're qualified. They don't usually, we don't usually feel like, oh, I've got this together. Oh, I've got this. But that's who God wants. It's who God uses because we have to remain reliant on him. And so here is the Lord says, go in the strength you have and save Midian, save Israel out of Midian's hand. And I love this next line. Am I not sending you? <laughs> That's, that's like the hope we have. That's the reassurance we have. We step into something we're like, I feel underqualified. I don't feel like I have enough. Am I not sending you? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I got to remind myself of that. Lord, I thank you that you are sending me. God, that I, that I have enough, and it's not just in me. It's because you're, you're with me. You're in, in me, working through me. And then I, I love what Gideon does, right? So God says, go in the strength you have. And then Gideon does what probably all of us do. Many of us do. First, he's real polite. Pardon me. He says, pardon me, Lord. Uh, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? Look what he says. I am the, I am the, I, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Have you ever done that before you start making excuses? Well, I mean, God can't use me because, uh, because of my past. God can't use me. We start going through this list of all the reasons why God can't use us. You know, this is, this is where he is. And the Lord says again, I will be with you. That's what the scripture says. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, can you imagine? He's like, how is this going to happen? The Midianites were like the sand on the seashore that was coming against it. So many people. And how in the world am I going to do that? And God just tells, hey, go in the strength you have. What? This doesn't even make sense. This is where Gideon's at. It says this, I will be with you. You know what's cool? I, we see this all through scripture. We see where David steps out against Goliath. We see where the boy with five loaves and two fish offers what he has. That's the, I think God is just waiting for us to step out. He's like, dude, I got this. I just need you. I need you to be a part of it. You may feel underqualified. You may feel like you don't have enough. You may feel like, I'm just asking you to, to st take a step of faith. And so again, he was, he was close enough to do something. I remember one time I was, I was at or some, uh, I don't know, youth convention or fine arts festival somewhere, and it was uh, another state, and they had these huge escalators. Like, I'd never seen escalators this big. <laughs> they go, one was like huge, go way up several stories, and then it had a big landing, and then a couple, and then you got another one to get to the top, and I'll never forget, we're riding up, and there's several people on it, and this lady, like, Five people in front of me is like, whoa, whoa. She falls down and she's laying backwards, going up, going, ah. And people are just looking, going, man, somebody should probably do something. <laughs> I was that too, going, somebody should do something. Somebody should help. They actually did a study and they said that if someone is in need, whether it's an act of violence that's going on, whether it's someone that is struggling or they're in need, if, if they're in a group of people, people are less likely to act than if they're the only one there. Because if the only one there, like, I have to do something or nobody will. And then we jump in. But if we're like, somebody should do something. And nobody does. So I'm in that moment going, somebody should do something. I'm like, no one's doing anything. You believe these people? And I'm like, why aren't I doing anything? So I run up there. We help this lady out. We get her up. She's on the landing. We're trying to get her to go up, up or down. And she's like, I'm not getting on there. I'm like, well, I don't know how you're going home. 
going to camp out here. So I stayed with her about 15 minutes. She never did get on the escalator. I'm not sure what they did. They had to shut it down. But long story short, but nobody wanted to do anything. I think many, that's, many times that's where we are. We either like somebody else will do something or we think like, man, who am I to do something? And so uh, many times what do we do? We allow our, our insecurities. We allow our fears. We allow our past failures to keep us from stepping in to do what we know God is asking us to do, to rescue, because we, we wrestle with that. So again, Gideon wrestled with that. But then look what happened next. And I think this is powerful. He came to the rescue. That's what Gideon did. And so pretty powerful. So God said, hey, go in the strength you have. And so Gideon took 10 of his servants, we see this in verse 27, and did as the Lord told him. Because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Here's what he did. He goes in, they were worshiping this god Baal, this idol, and they all, you know, they thought this was a god. He goes in and destroys it, destroys the altar of Baal in the middle of the night. People are picked. They're like, bring him out. We're going to kill him. And I appreciate Gideon's dad stepped out. And he's like, hey, if Baal's really a god, then Baal can take care of himself. They're like, we'll see what happens to him. Well, nothing happens to him. Okay, Baal's this chunk of metal they were worshiping. And then, so what does he do? So he, he's getting the people's eyes back on the one true God. This was the reason they got in that place. And then look what he says in verse 35. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali. So they went up to, so here is Gideon. He is told he destroys the altar of Baal, and then he calls the men to arms. 32,000. Guys show up. He's like, okay, okay. The only problem is he's going over. He's fighting an army that's well over 100,000. Okay, almost 100,000 more than he has. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're kind of far outnumbered. Uh, and he's going up against the Midianites, the Ammonites, the Termites, Parasites. <laughs> they were all there. Okay, he's like, let's go. So he's like, what are we going to do? This, uh, the Bible says that the camels were like the sand on the seashore. Uh, can you imagine like this army would roll up to raid them about harvest time? And this is where they were. Gideon calls 32,000 uh, men to come and fight. And then God says something crazy to him. He's like, hey, Gideon, hey, uh, you got too many guys. No, Lord, they got too many guys. I'm not sure if you got the names mixed up of whose army's who. God's like, you got too many guys. So then God tells him something crazy. He's like, tell all the men if they're scared, they can go home. He's like, Hey, any of all y'all that are scared, you can go home. 22,000 guys like, I'm out. Peace. <laughs> like, oh, there goes his army, right? Like 22,000. There's a lion's share of his army walks away. He's like, are you kidding me? They all, they all leave. And he's like, what are we going to do now? And God's like, hey, you still got too many men. Lord, your math is not too good, okay? <laughs> like, uh, so he, he goes down and they say, sure enough, here's what we're going to do. Have them go down to the water and drink. If... They lap it like a dog, send them home. If they cup the water and drink like this, those are your guys. So you know what I've done ever since I read this story? When I go to a water fountain, I'm like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but here they are. The, the, he, he, what, narrows it down to 300 guys. So this is the original 300 people. Come on, let's go Sparta, right? The original 300. And God's like, all right, I'm going to use these guys. I'm going to use these guys uh, to do something incredible. And so basically the, the plan, uh, they sneak around the Midianites encampment at night, which this is a huge army. I mean, you can imagine as far as you can see. They surround them. They have torches in these clay jars, and they all have a trumpet. They surround them. They 
bust the clay jar and they're waving the torches. They're blowing the trumpets. For the Lord and for Gideon. Well, God, of course. Then God's up in heaven like, boom, boom, gun show. Flexes. And all of a sudden, right, the enemy starts killing each other. And God gives this incredible victory. God wipes out all of these armies that was coming to destroy them. God, God in heaven, right? Through, through what? Through someone's obedience because one man was willing to come to the rescue. You know, I'll never forget I was in the, the ninth grade and I just moved from Florida uh, up to Canton, Ohio. Why would anyone move from Florida to Canton, Ohio? Yeah, I don't know. But we moved to Canton, Ohio and it was like my, I don't know, I just, I'm going to a new school, you know, which is always tough. Um, I'll never forget, though, the day before, we walk in this little grocery store, and my dad's like, hey, he goes, this is, this is my cousin's son. This is your second cousin, Mike, okay? And I meet Mike, so I'm a freshman. Mike's a senior at the school I'm going to, and Mike was that senior that looked like a 35-year-old man. You know, you're like, just like, he was jacked, he had this beard. I'm like, bro, 30, you got, you're like 18, you look like you're 35, He's like, hey, man, how you doing? I said, Mike. You know, at that time, I was 5'9", $1.20. Now I'm just 6'3", $1.20. Okay, so I shake Mike's hand. He's like, hey, man, Conan, so glad you're here, dude. I, hey, yeah, if you need anything, man, let me know. So I'm like, oh, yeah, Mike, there's big Mike. Huh? Mike's like 6'2". He played, played football. I don't know if he's a linebacker or what, but he was pretty stout guy. You could tell, like, he had that look in his eye, too, like, I would never want to mess with Mike. He's just like. You know, so sure enough, next day, I'm, I'm, it was my first or second day of school, and uh, they had it at the lunchtime, you could eat lunch and then go play basketball, which I love to play basketball, and so I'm like, I go to, I eat real quick, I go to the gym, I'm playing basketball, this game called Knockout with a bunch of guys, I bring the ball down, I come down, I stepped on this dude's foot, he falls down, and he gets up, he's like, Ehh. he's a junior, scary looking dude, he's like, I'm going to kick your butt, and he screamed, wait, he used other words, okay, we're in church. Picks up the ball, he throws it at me. I'm like, Phew. I was like, wow, wax on. Actually, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> trying to, like, what, what's going on? And all of a sudden, the whole gym surrounds me. Now I'm like, ah, uh, as the new guy, you're like, I'm going to get beat up here and no, I'm in trouble, right? So they're like, and he's like, ah, uh, and he starts coming toward me, and I'm like, oh. I was like, oh, gosh, okay, uh, I don't know anybody here. A, I can remember that moment feeling incredibly lonely. I can remember that moment feeling like, I, I don't know anybody. This is, this is bad. Coach runs over, break it up, break it up. And the kid's like, I'm going to wait for you in the hallway. I'm going to break your face. He's saying all kinds of stuff. I'm like, okay. So then he goes out in the hallway. The bell rings, and no one leaves because they want to see the new skinny kid get pummeled. I'm like, and so they like line the whole way up and it's just, a, it's a line of people and this scary looking dude who's a junior is out there. He's like, you're getting all fired up. I'm like, oh, and I wait there for like a minute. No one's leaving. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, all right, here we go. So I just, I'm walking out there. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I walk out there and all of a sudden I see the crowd parting and Mike shows up. He's like, he grabs this kid, wham, slams him against the floor. He's like, you touch him, I'll break your back. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. Right? And I was like, huh? he's like, you don't know him. He's some new kid from Florida. He's like, he's my cousin. I'll kill you if you touch him. I'm like, Mike. 
It's my boy, my boy Mike right there. Me and Mike, we go way back. We go way back, right? Mike stepped in, that guy's like, you know, he slams that guy. He's like, hey, if he bothers you, you tell me I'm going to kill him. I'm like, I will, Mike. I'll tell you. Can I stand by you, Mike? Can I just go to class? Right? And so sure enough, that guy looks at me like, and he walks off. I was so grateful for Mike in that moment. Why? Because I was in big trouble. What did Mike do, man? Mike's, Mike must have heard the problem. They're like, hey, that new kid's going to get beat up. Mike's like, that's my cousin. Okay. Met him yesterday. When Mike showed up, he was close enough to do something. And then Mike, what did he do? Mike came to my rescue, man. He came to my rescue. My face wouldn't look like this had Mike not been. <laughs> You're like, may have looked better. Okay, maybe so. It had been rearranged probably for sure. But Mike came to my rescue. And I thought, like, Lord, may, may, we be, may we be someone, may we be a people that comes to the rescue. And so again, we look at Gideon. And again, what did Gideon do? He saw a problem. He was close enough to do something. And then he came to the rescue. And so I'll just say this. It was a, it was a couple years ago. Um, a couple years ago, I, I got the, the chance to go uh, sit with a guy. His name is Chris Songson. He's kind of the guy who, who uh, created Church Boom, created Church Rescue. And I'm sitting with him, and it was a group of guys out in Texas. And he's like, guys, he goes, there's a huge problem in the United States today. And he kind of went into it. And he, he did. He talked about, again, the 200 churches closing every single Sunday. He, uh, he talked about how nine, to, nine out of 10 pastors feel discouraged. They feel completely unequipped. This is another crazy statistic. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every single month in the United States. Isn't that crazy? So the enemy's with an all-out attack. And here's what happens. When churches close, uh, crime goes up. You know, teenage pregnancy. There's all these things that start to happen in a, in a neighborhood when a local church closes. And so it is, it is a huge, it is a huge need. And, and I remember him saying there are several church planting networks. I know we're part of one with Venture Multiplication. Pastor Aaron sits on the board of that with us. And man, we're planting new churches and coaching those pastors. And that's great. But on the back end, all these churches are closing. And so it used to be we were planting more churches than we were closing, but now it's going like this. And we are closing more churches than we are planting. And so something has to happen. Something has to happen. Someone has to come to the rescue. And uh, I remember thinking, he's like, there is no group that is trying to help those churches that are on the edge of closing. What if we, what if we got some leaders together and we tried to fix this? What if we could bring this to the local church and say, hey, could you help us? And so, man, at that time, Pastor Chris was, Chris Songson was coaching, geez, probably 30, 40 pastors on his own. And we said, what if we could coach pastors and rescue churches? We're like, what would that look like? And so his church at that time was giving away a couple hundred thousand dollars to these struggling churches and these grants with $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 to help these churches. And again, we, won't, we don't help a church unless the pastor is getting coaching. So uh, we help that as well. And so all of a sudden, we started to see some of these churches that were closing were no longer closing. The ones that were on the edge of like, I'm done. Well, now they have someone with an arm around them going, hey, no, you can do this. You got this. Hey, let me give you some tools to help you grow this church. Hey, let me help you get this thing healthy. Sometimes a church is, maybe it's a, if the furnace goes out, I mean, they're that, they're going to close. That's where it's at. And so there's been several churches that were like, man, we're on the edge of closing. And so um, we were able to step in with church rescue and go, hey, we, what if we give you a grant? They're like, do I got to pay it back? Nope. 
Why? Because there's been some amazing people that said, hey, we're in and we want to rescue, want to rescue these churches. And so we're being, last year, I think uh, it was right around $300,000 was given away to some of these struggling churches. And every single year now, we're, we're seeing more and more churches that would have closed, not closing. And so we're seeing God do something because we're coming to the rescue. And so it's happening all around, all around our nation. And so I just, I want to do this. I want to show you a video of one of those churches. So this is the one of many churches that God is doing something incredible in through this church rescue um, initiative. I want you to check it out. The story of this church and the way that it began is, uh, is one that was built off of failure. Uh, there was a church split and our church began. Uh, about 20 years later, the pastor of the church ended up in moral failure. Really, they ended up uh, weathering some pretty tough years. And uh, at the end of that, uh, they had gone back to about 60 or 70 uh, on a good weekend. And, and that was about the time that we came. Pastoring uh, before church when we came into our life was, uh, was scary. Uh, it was uh, very difficult. We had never been in this position before. And uh, as we came here, man, I, I wasn't really sure what to do. I wasn't sure how to make the dreams in my heart actually come to life uh, with what God had told us. As a pastor's wife, you do your best to support your husband. What was difficult was honestly to see him frustrated because he had vision, but he didn't have direction. He didn't know what questions he should be asking. I was an addict for years. I was at home and I was drinking and all the family was gone doing something. I was just sitting in my chair drinking whiskey by myself and we got a call that uh, my wife's mom got hit by a drunk driver. Um, woke up in the morning and that, that whiskey was still there, dumped it out. Um, and uh, get rid of it all, uh, started, started going to church. Growing up, I just had more of that religious background rather than the relationship with Christ. So then as time went on, I just kept thinking to myself, like, man, there has to be more to God than just this. Like, we can't live up to this. I got really sad and angry and um, bitter. And instead of like realizing what it was, I started taking it out on my husband. As time progressed, I started having an emotional affair with this man. And after I had a physical affair with him, I remember going into the bathroom and looking in the mirror and saying, who am I? Who is this? I have never felt the Holy Spirit in my entire life. And whenever I worshiped for the first time at Waymaker, he just overtook me.
was a sense of almost being rescued when Church Boom came because I didn't know what questions to ask. I didn't know what I should be looking for. And even in my coaching calls, I would tell Chris, I, I don't even know what I should be asking you right now. Would you help me? And I realized it wasn't until somebody with understanding came to help unlock the potential uh, through the coaching. That's really what, what set us on that course. hard to place a value on what we've received uh, through Church Boom, through the team at Church Boom, Pastor Chris himself. I'm also thankful that when they came in, the tools that uh, Church Boom brought, it wasn't to get us to become something other than ourselves. And there's so many amazing resources that, uh, that we're able to utilize. When I think of this church, I think of, I think of happiness. I think of a, a place where I'm safe, where my family's safe. Whenever I come to church now, I just feel so alive. Like, I look forward to it. I can't get enough of church. I need this place, and I couldn't do my life without Jesus and the people that are in this place. Cool, that's just one of the stories. I, I think, you know, I think each one of us, you think about, you think about your life, you think of what the local church has done for you, right? Many of you in this room think about what Simple Church has done for you. This body of believers that rallied around you, that walking with you in faith, and uh, there's something powerful there. Uh, you know, what's cool is this guy, Joel, who's on this video now, uh, he's being trained to be one of the coaches now. Isn't that kind of cool? So he was at a place where, like, man, wanted to give up, didn't know what direction to go, or church was struggling, and now, man, their church is doing very well. And it's, it's one of the many stories of a church that was rescued. And so I think of all of these communities across our nation where there are churches that are, that are on the edge of closing, and we have the opportunity to step in and to rescue. And so the question I guess I just posed today is, will you come to the rescue? Just a moment, Pastor Aaron's going to come up and kind of explain kind of what the next step is. I, I, we may look and go, well, man, I don't know if this is much, this isn't, but it's almost like you know, we, we give that five loaves and two fish, like they, you know, was brought to Jesus and he took it and he did something incredible through it. Um, right now, um, and more and more of these services like this are happening across the country where congregations are going, hey, we'll do our part in order to rescue churches. And so it's all of us together that we can actually make an incredible difference. And I think about this, it, you know, man, I'm, I'm 47 now and I want my grandkids someday I want there to be a strong local church in their community. And some of, those, some of those churches may not be there unless we take action, unless we step in, and unless we come to the rescue. So my prayer for all of us today is, is would you consider doing something financial in order to come to the rescue of, of these churches? I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Aaron. So here's the opportunity today. Each one of you should have received uh, an envelope as you came in today. So if you'll take that out, there's a card on the inside of that envelope. And here is the ask. Um, the ask is for all of us to do something, even if that something is to begin with prayer today and say, Lord, what would you have me do? I, I believe it's within all of our power to do something, whether it's a one-time gift or whether it's a commitment of a, a monthly recurring gift. Uh, so on the back of that card, you'll see there's a way to, you can fill out this card. Uh, if you like doing digital stuff, there's a QRC code you can uh, you can scan it and do, but, but, but they're asking, like, if, if all of us, if all of us here today 
did $10 a month. You say, $10 a month? Yeah, $10 a month. If we took personal responsibility, that, that's, a, that's a couple energy drinks, right? Maybe, maybe that's, a, that's a pack of cigarettes, or maybe, maybe that's a, a bowl at Chipotle. <laughs> and if that's your thing, that's real sacrifice, baby. I'm just saying. But, but a local church made a difference in my life, rescued me. And I think of all the local churches that are across this country that are just waiting on people like me to walk through the doors. I was broken, lost, hurting, addicted, angry. And maybe, maybe, maybe you understand that because maybe your story is like mine. Why well, I, I stumbled into a church because I was invited to go. I didn't really want to go there. And the guy who was speaking was funny. You know, oh, I can come back for more of that. That, was, that, was, that wasn't so painful. And the congregation was loving and was restored, and I was forever changed by the power of God. So today I'm asking you, in this moment, let's pray. And let's listen to what the Holy Spirit would have to say to us. Lord, we ask you right now to speak to each one of our hearts. God, $10 a month is such a small commitment. I know for some of us, that would be a challenging commitment. Others of us, we can commit to do more. We can commit to a larger one-time gift. We can commit to a larger monthly commitment. But God, I pray right now, what would you have us do? We're in proximity. We're close enough. We're able to do something. Lord, what is it that you would have each of us do? And in this moment, as we continue to pray, I just also want to say, you know, maybe the, the thing for you to do today is simply to be rescued. Maybe you've walked in here today and you find yourself, like I did in 2010, when I walked into Conan's church. I was far from God. I had a background in church, but I was angry. I was hurting. I was broken. I was bitter. But what I needed wasn't more religion. What I needed was a relationship with Jesus because Jesus changes everything. And I found that relationship with Jesus through a local church, through its people, in a small group, in Sunday morning services as we worship. And maybe you're here today and that's what you need most is to be rescued. Friends, I'm here to tell you that this church is on a mission. We're here. We exist for people like you, for people like me. Today you can be your day where everything changes. And so I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And if today you're ready, I, if you're ready to go on a journey, if you're ready to meet Jesus, you don't have to do it perfectly. In fact, God's grace is greater than anything you've ever done and or will ever do. Jesus paid for your sins to be forgiven. So if you're ready today to receive that grace, to be made brand new, to enter into a relationship where you can say, I am rescued too. 
I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer, would you just slip up your hand right now and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm saying yes today. Yeah, proud of you. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I'm going on the journey. I need rescued. Church, let's pray out loud. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. And fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer, all of heaven's having a party. Come on, Simple Church, celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today. Now listen, if you're here and you said yes to Jesus, make the next, take the next best step. Grab that connection card, mark it, fill it out, say, I said yes to Jesus today. If you're watching online, you can do that. There are links in the descriptions of the videos uh, that you can click that says digital connection card. Let us know that you said yes to Jesus. We want to celebrate with you. For the rest of you, as you listen to what the Holy Spirit said, if you'll take, I'm challenging you to take the step today before you leave the building to fill out the card, make a commitment. If you do it online, that's totally fine, but I'm asking you to make the commitment today. Whether you're going to do a one-time gift, a monthly recurring gift, to give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings, to live a sacrificial life so that we can rescue churches that will rescue people. Amen, everybody? So today, also, if you're for your regular tithes and offerings, there are digital ways to give. There's a give box in the back of the room. But for these cards specifically, let me give you a specific instruction. If you fill out one of these, take it to the Connect Center on your way out. Conan will be there to answer more questions if you have any. Uh, but we also have a gift for those of you uh, that, would, that would turn in one of these. It's a wristband that says, I, uh, what does it say on there? I rescue churches. I think, I think it says something like that on it. I came to the rescue. That's it. Love to give that to you as a constant reminder that you took an opportunity. Not only did you see an opportunity, but you took that opportunity to rescue churches. Amen, everybody? All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you, God, for an opportunity to be mobilized and to make a difference around this country, Lord, in every place that we can, to rescue churches and see those that need rescued saved. Lord, we love you today. We pray your blessings on us as we go out. Bring us back safe next week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday. If you need prayer for anything, our pastors will be right here for you. God bless you.